Well, good morning, church family. It is so good to be with you guys. How many of you guys enjoyed that time in worship this morning? Man, you picked a good day to come to church. God is in the house. He is on the move. He is changing lives. He is setting people free. And I, for one, feel so refreshed and renewed after that time in his presence and worship this morning. Listen, if you're new with us here today, my name is Pete. I have the joy and privilege of serving as the lead pastor. And whether you're here in the room or joining us online, we're so glad that you've decided to start your week off here with us. And before we dive into this week's topic as we continue this series, I just want to give another encouragement, as you just heard uh, Rich Clarkson encourage you to do, to really sign up for Serve Day. Uh, This is our opportunity as a church family to demonstrate and model for our community who we are and what we're all about. This is our, one of our core values. We love and serve with intentionality. And, you know, my wife and I are going to be serving at that bottle and can drive. But in the morning, I'm also going to be serving uh, in the city. If you've been around this church for any length of time, you know that one of my hearts is for unity in the church and not just within our local church, but unity in the capital C church of Western New York. And I'm so grateful that we are having the opportunity to partner with a couple of the churches in the city to help improve their facilities so that they are better positioned to serve their communities. And so I'm, I'm hoping that some of you guys with uh, construction experience or skill levels of all, all types, if you know how to paint, plumbing, electrical, there's going to be yard works and just general labor stuff that if you have the ability next Saturday to come out for any length of time and help us out with some of those projects, we have room for up to 50 people uh, at this project. So we would love to have you jump onto our website, read through the description of the One Body Project because we truly are one body. We are the body of Jesus Christ here in our region. And so I hope that you'll join me in being a part of that event. It's going to be a great time as a church family. Excuse me. But we are continuing our discussion this week on this uh, series called Masks, not just because in a couple of weeks you're going to be sending your kids out uh, with masks on as they go out and beg for candy from your neighbors, that you'll be able to benefit from their plunder, but also because of the metaphorical masks that most of us wear just about every single day of our lives. And we learned last week that we wear those masks for one of two reasons. We are either projecting or protecting. We're either projecting an image of who we want people to think we are, or we are protecting ourselves from letting people see who we really are. And last week we learned that the mask of comparison, you know, behind that mask is the sin of envy. And and the way we kind of take that mask off is by learning to be content with our content, by recognizing what you have and accepting who you are. Instead of envying God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring how good he's been to us, recognize that, man, God has been good to me. If God never does anything else for you for the rest of your lives, he has still been good to you because he died on a cross to pay for your sin, and he loves you. So recognize what you have, but also accept and love who you are. Because the same God who made the heavens and the earth and, you know, we see his, his creation and the diversity of mountains, trees, lakes, forests, sprung the stars in the sky, thought that this world needed one of you. And so don't despise what God delights in. He made you on purpose for a purpose. You are a unique masterpiece, a one-of-a-kind work of art. So appreciate who you are. And so I hope you spent some more time this week contemplating God's goodness in your life and comparing yourself to others less and less. Because the goal of the series is really to get to a place where we can be authentic and live and lead authentic lives because trying to be somebody else 
is exhausting. It's tiring trying to keep up the facade and you know, this image that we want people to think that we are because we're never gonna be truly satisfied in life if we're constantly trying to be someone that we're not. And so one of the primary reasons I have found that a lot of people wear masks actually kind of touches on one of the most basic needs that all of us have as human beings. We all have a need to be accepted. We all have a need to be wanted. It's ingrained into our, our psyche. I believe God made us this way. It's, it's ingrained throughout our culture. We see it everywhere. In the words of the great theologian, I want you to want me. I need you to need me. I'd love you to love me. And the younger people in the room are wondering what the heck I'm talking about. It's a song from a group called Cheap Trick. Today, I want to talk to you about a mask that I have struggled with for the majority of my life. I'm talking about the mask of approval and how we all long for the approval of others. And I want you to know that as I stand up here today, I am preaching to myself. And you just get to sit there and listen in on this conversation that I have with myself. Um, I was sharing with someone after the first service how difficult it is at times to preach a message that you don't feel like you've gotten victory in. I want you to know that as I stand up here today, this is something God is still leading me in and something I struggle with, but I think I'm not alone. I'm pretty sure that there are some other people in the room who also struggle with wanting to wear the mask of approval. Because from my childhood, as long as I can remember, I kind of struggled with this desire to want other people to want me, and I learned that my, this is kind of at the root of my performance orientation. I've shared this with you guys many times in the past that, you know, when I perform well, I learned that the affirmation and the approval of my parents was, was free and, and generous in coming. And the way this kind of manifested itself in my childhood was through my academics. I was a very gifted student, straight A's, honor roll all the time, and I learned that when I was doing well and performing well, my parents and my dad especially loved me and affirmed me and, and, and showed me his approval, but when I wasn't performing as well, that affirmation and that approval was, was not as forthcoming. And this kind of found its way into kind of every area of my life, including, including my faith journey where when I made a decision as a child to, to follow Jesus, I had the same mindset that as long as I was doing X, Y, and Z and obeying all the rules and doing the right things, that God approved of me, he accepted me. But as soon as I stopped doing the right things, then all of a sudden, maybe God didn't approve of me as much. This also kind of is something that we see in my marriage a lot. I struggle with this even in my relationship with Kelly, even to this day where you know, every time she brings up an issue that she wants to talk to, me, <clears throat> talk to me about, I automatically filter what she's gonna say through the lens of accusation and failure. And I feel like I have failed to perform up to her level of expectation. And therefore, you know, I'm just, I'm no good, I'm horrible. You'd be better off with someone else because I, performance equals approval. And when I don't perform to please, like all of a sudden that acceptance, I assume, has been rescinded. So I, I struggle with this even to this day. And I want you to know that I'm struggling with it right now. One of my greatest joys every week 
is also one of the greatest traps that I face every week as I stand on this stage and preach to you. I know that this is what God has called me to do. I know that these are the good works that he has planned in advance for me to do. And I know I'm supposed to serve and preach to an audience of one, but I'm preaching to an audience of hundreds every week and hundreds more online. And I stress every single week over whether my message is going to be funny enough and relevant enough and helpful enough and practical enough. And is it gonna, is it gonna help you, you know, become a better follower of Jesus? Are you gonna fall more in love with Jesus? Are they gonna like what I wear? Like, are they gonna think my jokes are corny? And I constantly stress over this need for approval when it comes to even what I preach to you every single week. And the way I gauge how successful my message was is by whether or not you say anything to me about it. When I go home, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but when I go home and if my wife tells me, babe, that was such a good message, I feel good. But when she doesn't say anything and there's no comments on social media, I'm like, man, I, I bombed it this week. Oh, I suck again. And it's just this constant rehearsal of this script that goes off in my head because I'm constantly wanting your approval, even as it relates to what I communicate week in and week out. And I think, as I said earlier, that I'm probably not alone in this. I know you're not a preacher, but I'm sure that you struggle with wanting the affirmation of others. Um, I know that we all struggle with this. But how do we know that we're living for the approval of others? I came up with a list of five ways to know that you might be wearing the mask of approval, and these aren't all original to me. I've heard and stolen some of them from different pastors and messages that I've heard and then kind of added some of my own, but these are five indicators to know that you might be wearing the mask of approval. And the first one, you might be wearing the mask of approval if you obsess over what people think. If you are constantly worried about what people think about your outfit, your new haircut, your makeup, if you're worried about what people think about you on the job or what kind of car you drive or what kind of house you live in or what neighborhood you live in, you might be wearing the mask of approval. If you obsess over people's opinions of you, it could be an indicator. One pastor I heard says that uh, obsessing over what people think about you is the fastest way to forgetting what God thinks about you. The second way to know that you might be wearing the mask of approval is if you check social media every single hour for likes and comments. Come on, somebody. <laughs> like, social media is an incredible tool. I love how it can connect people, and some great things have been done because of social media. I mean, long-lost family members have been reunited, you know, Organ donations have happened because of, you know, people posting and sharing on social media. But man, there has been a lot of damage done because of social media as well. And it is incredibly addicting. My wife and I last night just watched the documentary that a lot of people are talking about right now on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. If you have not seen it yet, you need to watch it. It is eye-opening. But it is addictive, and it highlights what we're talking about today, our need for constant approval and affirmation. If you find yourself kind of scrolling through your phone hours on end and pulling down on the screen so that it refreshes to see, hey, have I gotten any new likes? Are there new notifications? The best is when you see a new comment. 
Someone comments on a post you made or a picture that you posted on Instagram. What did they say about me? And we get that little dopamine hit and we feel good about ourselves, but it only lasts for a little while longer. And so you keep refreshing because you got to see, does, you know, do they like me? Do they approve of me? And if I can be, again, just very transparent and honest with you this morning, this is me every Sunday afternoon. Like, I'm not even off the stage for a minute before I'm checking my phone to see if anybody checked into Life Church Buffalo and tagged me in a post to say that, what a great message by Pastor Pete. And then I can't tell you how many times after I get home, I go back to my phone and check to see if there were more comments, more likes, more tags. I hope you're not judging me today because I think that we all do this probably in some way, shape, or form in some area of our lives. But if you're constantly checking social media for likes and comments, you might be wearing the mask of approval. The third way is if you compromise your convictions. If you've ever laughed at something that you shouldn't have just to be accepted by your peers, if you've ever lied to save face, if you've ever compromised your convictions, it could be a sign that you are wearing the mask of approval. If you've ever, students, if you've ever joined with some of your friends at school and making fun of somebody who's not quite as cool or as popular as they think they are, it could be a sign that you're wearing the mask of approval. If you've ever compromised your values in a dating relationship because you want him or her to like you and not leave you or break up with you, you might be wearing the mask of approval. Fourth way to know if you're wearing the mask of of approval is if you struggle to share your faith. Now listen, I know and understand that a lot of people struggle sharing their faith because they don't feel like they know enough about the Bible. They, they're afraid they might not have the right answer if somebody asks a question. You know, all of the, I'm not talking about that kind of struggling to share your faith, but I'm talking about when you're embarrassed to let people know you're a Christian because you don't want to be seen as the weird one. It could be a sign that you're wearing the mask of approval. You know, if people are mocking Christians and you keep your mouth shut rather than you know, standing up for what you believe and why you believe, it could be a sign that you struggle with wearing the mask of approval. That was me in high school, by the way. Pretty much my entire high school career, I withheld from sharing my faith because I wanted to fit in with the cool crowd. I wanted people to accept me, and I didn't want them to know who I really was, and so I didn't say anything at all. The fifth way to know if you're wearing the mask of approval is if you have a hard time saying no. Anybody in the room today have a hard time saying no to people? Yeah, we've got a number of you. Like if you're the person that just wants to be wanted and needed and will do anything, even if you have no margin in your schedule, even if your calendar is completely full, but somebody asks, hey, can you make a meal for this? Or if you're the mom, you know, with your son on the, on the football team or on some sports team and the coach asks, hey, what, what parent out there can, can bring this? It's like, oh, I'll do it. And inside you're like, how am I going to fit that into my busy schedule? If you're constantly saying yes to things that you probably should say no to because you just want people to like you, it might be a sign that you struggle with wearing the mask of approval. I think a lot of us probably have some people in our lives that we know of, if we asked them for anything, they would do it, but understand that at the root of it, it might not be because they love you as much as they want you to approve of them. They want you to like them. So those are five ways to know if they describe, if any of those describe you, chances are you might struggle with this mask that we're talking about today. And if that's you, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is that you're not alone. 
you are definitely not alone. My guess is this highlights something that most, if not all of us, struggle with to one degree or another in our lives. That's the good news. But the bad news is that you're a people pleaser. I don't know if you've ever identified as that or not, but congratulations, you are a people pleaser. And as psychologist Harriet Breaker says, she defines or describes this people pleasing as the disease to please. And she says it's actually a form of addiction in the same way that drug addicts seek out drugs for their high, people pleasers seek out approval for their high. It's an actual psychological condition. We get the same dopamine hits from that as drug addicts do with whatever their drug of choice is. Not only is it a psychological and relational problem, I believe at the root though, it is a spiritual problem. And so I wanna share a story with you today that kind of highlights this need that we have to live for the approval of others. If you have your Bibles and you wanna read along with me today, I'm gonna be in Exodus chapter 32. While you're turning there though, I wanna give you a little bit of a backdrop to the context of the story. We're gonna be reading about Moses and Aaron who have just led the children of Israel, the the Israelite nation, out of Egyptian slavery and captivity where they had been for 400 years. And they had seen God do incredible miracles to deliver them, parting the Red Sea, them walking across on dry ground, the Egyptian army being swallowed up as they tried to follow and pursue them. And God leads them to this mountain in the wilderness where God decides to show up. Scriptures say it's, it's a supernatural event where like, Fire and smoke descend upon the mountain. There's thunder and lightning. And out of that, God calls Moses to come up to the top of the mountain where he would give him the law of the covenant that would be summarized in what we know as the Ten Commandments. But Moses is a long time in staying on the top of the mountain. And that's where we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, They gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. Notice those words, gathered around Aaron. It's important to note that. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. He's been gone too long. See, by this point, Moses has probably been gone for a couple weeks. And the people begin to think that, Maybe, maybe our leader has died. We don't know what's happened to him. They're getting restless, and, and Moses was our connection to God, and we need a God who will go before us. And so they gather around Aaron. Say, you make us a God. I can imagine a large group of people kind of circling around Aaron, and he's feeling the pressure. Try to picture it. This large group of people gathering around Aaron. And I've discovered even in my own life that Pressure from people can cause us to do some things that we wouldn't normally do. Pressure from people can cause us to compromise our convictions. People pressure can cause us to say yes when we should say no. So Aaron is feeling pressure from this large crowd gathered around him. And let's see what he does in verse 2. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I want you to think about this. Picture the scenario. Right next to this mountain that is on fire and a dark cloud kind of enveloping the top of it, there's thunder and lightning 
Aaron is there fashioning an idol that the people declare, this is our God who led us up out of Egypt. This is the same Aaron who stood with Moses in front of Pharaoh because Moses had a speech impediment and God told Aaron to be Moses' mouthpiece. So this is the same Aaron who stood before Pharaoh. This is the same Aaron who held out his staff over the Nile and and saw God do incredible miracles and saw his staff become a a snake and then back to a staff again. Like This is the same Aaron that God had said would be the, the high priest of the nation of Israel. And yet despite all that, the moment he feels some people pressure, he caves. In order to please the people, he does something that displeases God. And the irony of the story is this. While while Aaron is fashioning a golden calf and making an idol for the people, Moses is on the top of the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments from God, the first two of which you shall have no other gods before me and do not make any idols or graven images. That's the irony of the story. Not only do I believe this story illustrate why we do some of the things we do in our quest for the approval of others, but I think it also reveals to us what's actually behind the mask. It shows us what's really in our hearts that's longing for the approval of others. Last week, we talked about how behind the mask of comparison is the sin of envy. Today, we're going to learn and see that behind the mask of approval is the sin of idolatry. See, a lot of times, we, we, we think that idolatry is just when people worship an idol, like an actual statue or a little Buddha or something, and and that's an idol. But in reality, an idol is anything that we elevate above God in our lives. Anything that we devote more of our attention, more of our affection, more of our time to than God, whatever we chase more than God is an idol to us. And when the approval of other people is more important than God's approval, then that is an idol. When you will compromise what you believe to be true to get others to like you, then they are more important to you than God is. When your image of how you come off to other people is more important to you than God's image being formed in you so that they can see Jesus through you, then your image is an idol. I know it's a hard truth for us to hear, but... It's one that we need to hear, that people-pleasing is a form of idolatry. In fact, Jesus said this very clearly in Luke or in John 12, 42. Jesus had been doing some miracles, and a lot of people were starting to believe that he was who he claimed to be, that he was the Son of God. Obviously, the, the Pharisees and many of the religious leaders did not believe him, but some people, it says, wanted to believe and did believe, but were afraid to really admit that they believed. And Jesus kind of talks about their idolatry this way in Luke 12, 42. He says, but because of the Pharisees, they would not, the people who wanted to believe, but wouldn't go public, it says they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. And then check this out. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. They longed for the approval of people more than living for the approval of God. Have you ever been there before? I know I have. Like I said earlier, that's pretty much my entire high school career. 
where I laughed at things with my friends around the lunch table that I know were sinful, where I participated in picking on other people just so that I could be accepted by the cool crowd, where I hid my faith and wouldn't let people know I was a Christian just because I wanted to be accepted, I wanted to be approved of by them. Not only is this idolatry, but I also believe it hurts the heart of God because it means that we value other people's opinions. We value them more than we value him. People-pleasing is a form of idolatry. And we've got to understand today that you can't please God and people at the same time. Either we're going to please God and live for his approval, or we're going to live for the approval of others. And God said, you can have no other gods before me. And it's easy for us to kind of hide behind or like try to minimize this. We don't want to call it idolatry because really it's just, it's touching on one of our basic human needs. We all want to be wanted. I believe God actually made us that way. Is there anything wrong with you wanting people to like you? No. Is there anything wrong with you wanting people to approve of you? No. But when you have to displease God in order to please others, that's when it's wrong. That's when it becomes a sin. When our image to others is more important than God's image being formed in us, then our image is an idol. When a young lady compromises herself, she's trying to save herself for marriage, to give her husband that gift, but then succumbs to the pressure from her boyfriend because she doesn't want him to reject her and she doesn't want him to break up with her then that's, she cares more about him than she does about God. And obviously, the man has his own set of issues with different sins as well. But when a business owner does something that's unethical or underhanded to, to get more business, to get more money, to pad the bottom line, then money is an idol to him. That's more important to him than what God says. When we don't speak up for our Savior when someone's attacking our faith because we don't want to be the weird one. We don't want to be labeled a, a, a religious nut job, other wacko, that's just the Jesus freak. And so we, we don't say anything. Then we are an idol. We're putting their approval before God's. Whenever we care more about what other people think about us than what God thinks about us, we're engaged in idolatry. And you can't not only can you not please God and people, you also can't lead and please people at the same time. I'm learning this even in my role as pastor as I lead this church. I have at times struggled making decisions that I believe are best for our church because I wanted people to like me and I knew that the decisions wouldn't be popular. And if you don't see yourself as a leader, you need to understand leadership is not about a position or a title. Leadership is about influence. And every single one of you here in the room and watching online have influence in some area of your life. And we're not called to follow the world. We're called to follow Jesus, which means we've got to go against the grain, which means you're a leader. And you can't lead people and please people at the same time. If we're learning anything about Aaron's story, it's that, mean, it's that being a leader means you have to make decisions that other people aren't going to like and that people are going to pressure you to make decisions that go against what God wants you to do. And really, if you follow what people want you to do, you're not really leading. You're following them. They're actually the ones that are leading in that scenario. And so what do we do about this? How do we remove the mask of approval? 
that so many of us hide behind. I want to give you two thoughts today. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down. The first one is that we've got to learn how to live to serve one, not to please everyone. Instead of living for the approval of people, which is impossible to maintain, as Christ followers, we have a different goal. We're going to live to serve one. We're going to live for God and God alone. We're going to live for his glory, for his fame, for his kingdom, for his purposes. That's our goal as followers of Christ. It was the Apostle Paul who wrote in Galatians 1.10. He said, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. And to his writers, he said, obviously, because of all the things that he had endured up to that point. In another place in scripture, Paul lists all the things that he endured for the sake of Christ. I was beaten, I was shipwrecked, I was stoned, I was thrown in jail, I was left for dead. Like all of these trials and tribulations that Paul went through, he says, obviously, I'm not doing this to make people like me. I'm doing this for God's approval, not people's. And then he says something so powerful and so convicting in the last half of the verse. He said, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Whoo, that should sting a little. Listen to me, all you people pleasers out there. You can't please people and be a servant of Christ. There are some things that you're going to do as a follower of Jesus out of obedience to him that other people aren't going to understand and it's going to disappoint them. There are going to be some things that you can't do or choose not to do because of your love for Jesus that are going to disappoint others. There are going to be some decisions that you have to make as a follower of Jesus, as a servant of Christ that will cause other people to become upset and angry with you, even people close to you, people in your own family. You can't please people and be a servant of Christ. If pleasing people is your goal, it's going to be very hard for you to follow Jesus because he calls us to do some things that are countercultural, that go against the grain. You know what I figured out in life? I'm still figuring out. It's taken me 40 years to figure this out, and I'm still learning it. It's impossible to please everyone. Cognitively, I think we all would say that we agree with that, but yet so many of us live like we're trying to please everyone. It's easy to talk a big game when we're talking about following Jesus. Like, I'm, I'm going to live for God, and I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what they say about me. But let's have some real talk here today. Every single one of us here are drawn to caring about what people think and say about us. We're drawn to it. So I'm going to say something to even some of the students and the younger people in the room today, because I want to save you from some of the pain and mistakes that I made where I know I did some things that grieved the heart of my Savior. And if you could get this into your hearts today, it would transform your lives and change the trajectory of your life. You cannot please everyone. So stop trying. You can't please everyone. There's going to be groups of people in school. You try to please this group, this group's going to get upset with you. You get it right over here and they're going to think you got it wrong over here. You cannot please everyone. And I've discovered even in my own life that the more I try to please people, the less effective I am in my witness for Christ. Even in leading this church, every time I've made a decision that I think will move us forward in the vision that I believe God has given us for a church, people have left the church. And it's hard as a pastor to not take that personally 
to think that you've done something wrong, knowing that other people are displeased with you because of a decision that you made, and then they leave the church. But the moment you try to win the approval of people around you, that is the moment you're not really being a servant of Christ because you're trying to please people. You can't please God and people. You can't lead people and please people at the same time. So let me let you in on a little secret that sounds so simple, but it's so hard to actually live out. So you can't please everyone, but you can please one. You can please one. Every decision that you've got to make, I would encourage you to lay one filter over the decision. Ask yourself the question, does this decision please Christ? Does this please Christ? And if it does, use wisdom, seek godly counsel, and make the decision. And don't waver or second guess when people get upset with you for making that decision because their approval is not an indication of whether or not you made the right decision. All right, you be obedient to what God has called you to do. So live to serve one, not to please everyone. Second way we remove the mask of approval is to live from the approval of God, not for the approval of others. Man, I'm telling you, if we can get this truth into our lives, let it penetrate our hearts, it would transform us. Again, I am, I'm still walking in this. I'm still learning this. I have not walk, I'm not walking in victory, total victory in this area of my life. But I am learning to live from the approval of God, not for the approval of others. Because listen, the approval of God sets us free from the disease to please. And I believe the reason so many of us make the decisions we make and we live our lives the way we do, trying to gain the approval of others, is because we don't know that we already have the approval of God if we're in Christ. If we could see how God sees us, we would learn how to see ourselves differently, and then we would live our lives differently. Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians 2.4. On the contrary, we speak as those approved, past tense. We speak as those who have already been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. Paul recognizes something that so many of us spend the majority of our lives trying to get, the approval of God. Well, if I do this, this, and this, then maybe God will approve of me. And Paul says, no, I've already been approved by God. And when you know how God sees you, you don't need to try to do things to make other people like you. If you are in Christ, you need to understand that God doesn't just love you. He likes you. He accepts you. He approves of you. Your worth, listen to me, is not based on what other people think or say about you. Your worth is based on what Jesus did for you and what God says about you. Let that penetrate your heart. That's why I often say it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. Because religion reinforces this idea that you have to perform to please God to get him to accept you. But Christianity is not about what you can do for God. It's about what God has already done for you through Jesus. It's about having a relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus. If we would allow the power of this truth to sink into our hearts, man, our lives would look a lot different. It would liberate us from the disease to please and the need to live for the approval of others. There's nothing that you could do to make God love you any more or less than he does today. 
than he did yesterday or the day before that. I could preach a thousand sermons. We could, pre- we could see thousands of people come to Christ. And at the end of that, God's not gonna love me any more than as he did when I was still in my sin and didn't even acknowledge him. Because if you are in Christ, God sees you through the lens of grace. If you are in Christ, God sees you through the sacrifice of his perfect son. Listen, when my children were born, parents, you'll be able to identify with this. I have two boys, Samuel's eight, Isaac is 10. And I remember like it was yesterday, the day I held Samuel in my arms for the first time. The love that flooded my heart in that moment. Parents, I don't care if your kids are grown and gone. I I don't care how long it's been. You remember that day. You never forget the love that flooded your heart when you held your child for the first time. Even though your child hadn't yet done anything to impress you, they hadn't yet excelled in academics or athletics, they hadn't done anything particularly remarkable, but they had just entered the world and they were yours and you loved them because they were yours. And listen to me, God feels the same way about his children. He doesn't need you to prove your love to him. He just loves you because you're his. You're his child. He approves of you. He accepts you. I know this can be a hard truth for us to understand. But you need to know that when God looks down from heaven at you, he doesn't see your past sin or your past failures. He sees someone who's been declared righteous. He sees you being perfect because of the truth that we see in what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So listen to me. If you are in Christ, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your past sin. He doesn't see the things on your record. He doesn't see the horrible decisions that you've made in your life. He sees the shed blood of his son, Jesus, which has been applied to your life. We talked about this during the Dressed for Success series, the breastplate of righteousness that covers you. It's bright and shiny because the only perfect one to ever live, the only one who ever fulfilled every point of the law and never sinned, went to the cross to pay for our sin. And when we place our faith in him, he credits his perfect righteousness to our spiritual bank account. When God looks at us, all he sees is his son and I am his, he is mine. You do not have to prove yourself to God because he accepts you because of what Jesus did for you, not because of what you have done for him. Your worth is not based on what people think about you. It's based on what God says about you. And what does God say about you? There's some things I wrote down from scripture. Scripture says that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone, meaning it's no longer in view. You're not a better version of you. You are a new creation. Scripture says you are God's masterpiece created for a purpose. You are forgiven and your sins are washed away. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. You are the light of the world. You have the same spirit in you that raised Jesus from the dead. You are Christ's ambassador. You are a joint heir with him. You are loved with an everlasting love, which means that before you ever messed up, God loved you. And even after you screwed up, he still loves you because it's an everlasting love and it never goes away. You are accepted in the beloved. 
God says, you are my son and you are my daughter. And you don't have to do anything to prove yourself to me. I accept you and I love you. You're mine. Embrace it. Believe it. Declare it over your life. Every sin that anyone ever struggles with, I believe, comes when we believe a lie of the enemy that we've got to do something to earn God's love. And when we mess up, God no longer loves or approves of us. But when we declare the powerful truth of God's word over our lives and what he says is true about us, it sets us free from the disease to please and the need to put on the mask of approval and live for the approval of others. When you live from the approval of God, instead of for the approval of others, you don't have to be afraid of what people think. Because I'm his, I'm not gonna obsess over other people's opinions of me. We start making decisions differently in our lives when we know who we are and what we're worth. Because I'm crucified with Christ, guess what? You can't hurt my feelings. Because I belong to Christ, I'm not gonna avoid conflict. I'm gonna address the issue. Because I'm accepted, I can say yes to what God wants me to do and no to everything else. Because I'm accepted, no one can steal my joy. When you know who you are and whose you are, no one and nothing can rob you of God's purpose for your life. When you really believe that your heavenly Father approves of you, it sets you free from the disease to please and the need to live for the approval of others. You don't have to be defined by the opinions of people around you when you are aligned with the one who is within you. You don't have to please everyone. You can't please everyone, but you can please God. And because of Christ, I am accepted. You are accepted. You don't have to live for the approval of others when you live from the approval of God. So you can take the mask off and be yourself because that's what God wants and that's what this world needs. Don't rob the world of the contribution that God wants you to make because you're trying to be somebody else or because you gotta think, you know, they, you want this group of people to like you. Be yourself. Live your true, authentic identity from the approval of God instead of trying to win the approval of others. Amen? Let me pray for you today. Lord, it's challenging for me to preach a message that I know I'm not always living in and walking in myself when so much of what I do is driven by the desire for other people to like me and approve of me. So God, I, I know that I'm not the only one in the room. And so I just, I pray right now for your Holy Spirit to just move through this room. If you're watching online, I pray that the Holy Spirit would meet you right where you are. And if this mask has been one you've worn your whole life, I believe God wants to set you free from it today. He wants you to know that he loves you and he accepts you and he approves of you, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did for you. So Father, I pray that you would heal our hearts and open our eyes to see the lie. Lord, that we would embrace your truth. It is for freedom that you have set us free. You announced your arrival when you came back from the wilderness to say that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to declare freedom to those who are held captive, recovery of sight to the blind, and to declare the year of the Lord's favor. 
Lord, you're removing blinders from some people's eyes today. The spirit of Christ is in me and your word has gone out and it is penetrating the hearts and minds of your children to set them free. They have been held captive from this bondage of living for the approval of others for too long. And today, God, begins a new day in their life and in their walk with you, knowing that they are accepted by you and they live from that approval. And God, anything they do from this point forward comes out of their love for you, not trying to earn their love from you. God, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. I just want to ask the question, if there's anybody here today that has kept God at an arm's length because of this very dynamic, because you felt like, you know what, I can never measure up. God doesn't approve of me because of all the things I, do, I have done. But you need to understand that that's why Jesus came. He came to pay for everything you've ever done wrong. And if you want to start a relationship with Jesus today, all it takes is for you to confess that you are a sinner and that Jesus died for your sins and Agree to follow him for the rest of your life. And if that's you here today, if you're watching online, would you just put the hands up emoji in the comment section of whatever platform you're watching on? And if you're in the room today with all heads bowed and eyes closed, just lift your hand up so I can see you and we can pray together. I see that hand in the middle over here. I see that hand in the back. The Holy Spirit is moving, people. I felt it all morning. People are being set free. Is there anybody else here today? I see that hand in the center in the back. I'm, pr I'm proud of you. God bless you. Is there anybody else? I don't want anybody praying alone. So church, would you pray out loud together with those who are saying yes to begin a relationship with Jesus? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin. I confess I'm a sinner. Jesus, thank you for loving me and giving yourself for me. And thank you for coming back from the dead so that I don't have to do this on my own. You're alive forevermore. And right now, I believe that your Holy Spirit has come to live in me. And it will give me the strength and the power to follow you and serve you and live for you for the rest of my life. Jesus, help me to take off the mask and live with authenticity, knowing that I am now approved by you. I'm your son or daughter. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Church, can we put our hands together? Welcome those born into God's family today. Listen, I just want to address for one second those of you who raised your hand a moment ago to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Let me be the first to say congratulations on the most important decision you will ever make in your entire life. As a church, we celebrate that because we know the angels in heaven are throwing a party right now and we are gonna party with them. And listen, we want you to know that you're not in this alone. We wanna come alongside of you and continue to help you take some next steps. That was just the first step of a journey that's gonna last the rest of your life. And so if you're in the room, would you find the green card that says, I have decided today? And just check the box on the back side that indicates the decision you're making today. And then on your way out, would you hand that to one of our Dream Team members so that we can give you a Bible and some other resources that we want to just give to you as, as our way of, of helping you to understand a little bit more about the decision that you just made, as well as suggest some next steps that you might want to take 
as a new follower of Jesus Christ. But we're excited for you. We're excited to go on this journey with you. Listen, church, again, if you want to live this out and show the world who we are and what we're all about, don't leave without signing up for Serve Day. And just give a couple hours of your time next Saturday. You can get a Serve shirt on your way out if you sign up. But with that, you guys, I love you so much. I hope you have a great week. God bless, and we'll see you next Sunday.